0: Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So,
1: can we cut the cake now? You betcha.
2: No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
3: Hey, Charlie, uh, so far we haven't made one mistake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, good morning. Oh, give us a minute or two. Yeah, I
3: know. <laughs> James Dooley in the control room there just uh, noted that we're off and running, and God mm-hmm. knows what happens from here on in. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the truth? It's the garden show with Charlie Dobbin and yours truly, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden.
4: That's right, the best yes. undergardener in the entire world.
3: Dad and I have a feeling you'd like to put me under sometimes, but well, never mind. My grounds
4: a bit frozen just now, so <laughs> yeah.
3: I'll keep you. <laughs> oh, that's oh jeez, how nice. Okay, let me g- let me give the phone numbers here, course, so we folks have a will thog know. On Going on,
4: so we won't go well, too far. Well, thank goodness that. for that. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk
3: about the ice and the stuff in a minute here, but first of all, let's uh, give Number. the phone numbers. Yes, very good. Uh, if you live in Toronto, 416 740 and then anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1 866 Four seven forty, and as her, is her wont, uh, she <laughs> likes to start out. She being Charlie Dobbin, of course, uh, with a few announcements. And you have a fistful, I see.
4: I do, I do. Mm. Thank you. And I really like the way you say my last name now. Yes, it's so much better than the way you used to say my last name.
3: <clears throat> <clears throat> I.
4: It's Dobbin. No, you're right. I, I, you did a good job. Which reminds me, my email address, c.dobbin. You called me dubbin for the first two years of doing the show, but it's Dobbin. D-O-B-B-I-N. Boy, I, just
3: like a dog with a bone, you will not let it go. Just c- will not let it go.
4: Okay, my email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Just thought I'd put that in there for those of c you...
3: c.dobbin that- hit the deck here. Uh, in a <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, couple of things. The Burlington Hort, uh, the Hort Societies have been on their yeah. Christmas break and having, uh, you know, Christmas soirees, and now that we're, you know, January's just around the corner, they're back up in action. So Burlington Hort Society will be holding a general meeting Wednesday, January eighth, seven thirty p.m. Of course, they meet at the Burlington Senior Center, two two eight five New Street at Drury Lane in mm-hmm. Burlington. The topic is, and I love this. A floral safari Ooh! Doesn't that sound great? Yeah. Elizabeth Schle- actually, I can't pronounce this. Schleicher describes her travel adventures in South Africa. Schleicher. I'm really jealous. Anyway, that sounds pretty good, so she's going to be doing that, and it's a floral safari. So she safaried Africa after the flowers. Refreshments, and of course, all are welcome. Also, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is holding a meeting on Sunday, January the 12th, 1.30 to 4 p.m. Meetings are held at the Toronto Botanical Garden, 777 Lawrence Avenue East in Toronto. Free admission, free parking. Non-members, of course, are welcome. Every meeting features um, a, kind of a famous or a you know, really well-known speaker as well as one of the members doing a particular oh, presentation. Oh, are you telling us that
3: you're going to be appearing somewhere?
4: No, but you oh. thought that might be coming, didn't you? I did. No, this meeting features speaker <laughs> Darren Heinbecker. He's owner of Whistling Gardens. A con- he's a conifer specialist. Do you know what like, a yeah, conifer it's a,
3: is? A big, big trees.
4: Well, not necessarily. There could be little conifers. Oh, little conifers, yes. Yeah. A conifer is another word for an evergreen.
3: I knew that, actually. Okay.
4: But you thought big. Yes. When, yes, but I there was are little, little, big, big Christmas But shows. there are little evergreens, too. So, anyway, he's a conifer specialist, and his topic is smaller trees and shrubs for today's gardens, which is really important, because the last thing you want to do is be pruning every six months all, all your evergreens, particularly. Uh, the member showcase is seed sowing. Now, we do want to talk about oh this crazy weather, but we might yeah. want to wait to uh, get into that in a little bit um, and maybe go for the break. We're due to take at this oh, point. Oh, we, we are But how indeed. was your Christmas just before oh, we do that?
3: Wonderful. An extended kind of a three-day affair starting on uh, Monday and right through Christmas Day. Was, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Found out that my uh, 17-year-old granddaughter is now taller than I. Uh,
4: I which, can't believe you're telling oh my the God, world it hurts.
3: it hurts, my friends. <laughs> I am wounded severely.
4: Uh, I'm going to get, next year for mm. Christmas, I'll get you some of those shoes with lifts. Oh, good idea. Yeah. And then then everybody will just think you had a growth
3: spurt. <laughs> <laughs> Keep taking those vitamins, those special vitamins yes, you take, Frank. Yes, yes. Exactly. it's working. <laughs> I've been waiting since I was about 14 no <laughs> to yet. grow a foot. Okay. Put you on stilts. Yeah. You're right. We do have to take a break here. And by the way, uh, if we didn't catch you before, a belated Merry Christmas and in advance, a Happy New Year. Uh, and maybe you'll be one of the first. Five callers to the show, so Which, give it a
4: shot, yeah. Oh, and also, we do have to report on our final oh, caller last week.
3: Agapanthus. You got yes. it. Yes. Agapanthus. All righty. We're going to check that out in Coming a moment up. or so, right after these words
5: daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias for scythia and foxgloves, marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks stalks, hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams
1: you pick picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio am 740.
3: one of the few times i really do wish that this were a televised little feature, <laughs> because all three of us were bopping back and forth. James Dooley in the uh, control room, and Charlie Dobbin, and myself, Franklin Proctor.
4: Because we love the music.
3: Yes. Shall we uh, have a little word with uh, Ruth, who is online? But uh, I'll let you know, folks, that there are a couple of lines open at 416-360-0740, even if you want to just wish Charlie a yeah, happy... Charlie? Christmas or... Yeah, well, she's a little down, sir. Uh, 1-866-744-740. Anywhere in Ontario, free
4: Or maybe they have tips to share they, with you on could. growing, growth tips. <laughs> you never know.
3: Good one. Oh, I got skewered there. <laughs> Ooh, Ruth in Whitby, save me, save me. Good <laughs> Hi, Good morning, morning Ruth. Ruth.
6: Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Um, thank you for taking my call, and Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. you. Um, Okay, I got my Christmas cactus, and I followed your instructions, Mm -hmm. and I haven't killed it, so that's a great thing. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Good start. Um, But it's not giving me any flowers yet. It's got lots of buds, and I just wonder what else I should be doing besides underwatering it.
4: (laughs) That's great. No, it's got lots of buds. And is it a new cactus or one you've had for a couple of years? No,
6: it's a new one that I was given as a gift.
4: Okay. Well, and usually when you're given a Christmas cactus, it's in bud or flower. Uh huh. So it's those are done, I guess. Those flowers are finished, and now it's set some more buds. Yes. Excellent. You're you're doing the exact right things. Keep it in that sunny location. Yes. Uh, near a window, of course, tends to be a cool spot, which is great. Yes. They love the cool. Uh, You don't want it touching the glass, but you do want it right in the window and do exactly what you're doing in terms of underwatering. So you feel the soil. When the soil feels hard and Uh dry and has no sponginess to it, then you will water thoroughly enough that the water drains through into the saucer below. Give it 10 minutes or so to absorb that water. If there's still water in the saucer after 10 minutes, then dump the water down the drain. Right, that's
6: what I've been doing. And
4: and because you've got a new... Cultivar, likely, give, because it's a new plant, remember, do turn it 180 degrees either every day or every second day, whatever kind of works with your schedule. Just do it consistently because uh-huh. Christmas cactus are famous for being putting all their growth to the window side, yes. and they can get very unbalanced very quickly, and then they, they become a bit of a tough plant because they always want to fall over.
6: Yep. Okay. Okay. I've been doing that, and it's, it's uh, quite symmetrical. It's, it's not... Yep. And balanced on one side. Perfect. Okay.
4: But, you know, in 10 years, you're going to still have that plant, and you want it to be just as balanced then as it is now. Okay. Okay. But,
6: so, um, is there? should I be fertilizing it? I guess that's my question. You could. Because it is setting
4: buds, and remember when a plant is flowering, it does take energy to produce those flowers, so it is appropriate to fertilize. Uh, so Christmas cactus is one of the rare plants that we will end up fertilizing In the dark days of winter, unlike most of our plants which are hunkered down doing absolutely nothing in the winter, Christmas cactus is actually putting a lot of energy out. So, yes, you could mix up a flowering plant fertilizer uh, to water that plant at the most every two weeks or every three weeks. Oh, fine. Okay, and once it's finished flowering, stop fertilizing because it will need to have a downtime, but it usually has its downtime in February and March.
6: All right. Okay. Well, that's fine then. So I'll get a flowering fertilizer. Yep, flowering plant plant fertilizer. fertilizer. Yep. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ruth. And uh, again, uh, all the best in the new year. Thank you. And the same to you, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you okay, bye bye
3: now uh, there's Ruth from Whitby and uh, you can call in and say hi to Charlie and myself four one six three six zero zero seven forty and the tip idea was great there are uh, lots of people out there gardeners yeah. who have wonderful uh, sources of information that maybe we're not Connected to, but well, not not so much you. Well, I was going to say, yeah, yeah you're mm, not connected. To. No, I'm not uh, connected much at all. Uh, <laughs> not when it comes to the garden. Anyway. Well, no, one eight six six seven forty four seven forty, is the long distance line.
4: Why you may be an undergardener for your rest of your entire life. You realize that? I don't that. think
3: I'm going to progress much <clears throat> beyond undergardener. Uh, that's very true. Okay, just yeah, so you yeah. know, it's kind uh, well, of well. I don't have grand special. designs on your job. You
4: know, so. <laughs> not much. Maybe that's a
3: good thing. Well, you know what we've got to do is is going uh, go to the agapanthus thingy
4: yeah yeah so, so do you have any idea what agapanthus is
3: no okay
4: but you like that name
3: i do i like agapanthus <laughs>
4: <laughs> do you like it better than diplodenia?
3: Oh, see, oh, that's tough. Yeah. Diplodemia. Uh. N. Oh, I just said it. Oh, oh. No, no M. Diplodenia. A- you got it. Yeah, okay. okay.
4: So last week when we finished the show, we just, Marsha called from Kleinberg, asked about what to do in terms of re- getting her agapanthus to reflower, and we didn't have time to answer the question, mm. or I, I couldn't give it quick enough, so I've now researched done it. done research. I've done my research, mm. and hopefully Marsha's listening, so she uh, will listen to what is her next steps to be in good shape with the Agapanthus for the spring. Now, I actually found this uh, from the Toronto Master Gardeners site. It's a great site. There's some great information there. Uh, So the answer to the question, Agapanthus or Lily of the Nile, that is the other common name, Lily of the Nile. It's a beautiful plant that enhances any outdoor pot the entire summer. However, Given our climate in Toronto, some care needs to be taken in winterizing them. And, of course, Marcia and Kleinberg is just that much cooler than the people that are gardening right in the downtown or in central Toronto. So if you purchase them in the spring, so let's assume that Marsha purchased them last spring. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she enjoyed the agapanthus all summer, and now she's wondering what to do this coming spring. Uh, so make sure you plant them in a pot and not in the garden. The reason why is because... Uh, this allows you to take the pot indoors in the winter at the first sign of frost. Mm-hmm. Now, if we lived in South Carolina, it wouldn't be a problem. We would plant them in the garden and just leave them there. But because we live in such a cold climate, we have to bring them in for the winter. Uh, the pot, once the frost, you know, first sign of frost, pot goes in mm-hmm. into a frost-free environment. Now, you don't take it into your living room or your kitchen. You put it into an unheated garage or a shed or someplace cool. Come next spring, which of course will be in the next couple of months, uh, around the beginning of May, you take that same pot that's been sitting in that unheated, cool, dark location. You take it outside, place it in a sheltered spot so that it can be acclimatized Mm -hmm. to the real world outside, cut off any dead leaves, water when the soil dries out, and fertilize to encourage bloom. Please note that it seems that agapanthus blooms better when they are pot-bound. So do not repot the first year. Once you see new green leaves appearing, you can place the pot in a sunny location. Keep in mind that overwintering tender bulbs or rhizomes or tubers or corms is sometimes a bit of trial and error as each winter is different and unpredictable. And that's true. I mean, certainly in my garage... My unheated garage, which is insulated on one wall, and I guess it's got an insulated door, but two other uninsulated walls, it, it freezes inside there. So um. do you do that purposely?
3: <clears throat> Have you done that purposely? To, no. Not to no, oh. no. well, alone. But that turns out maybe to be a good thing, right?
4: Well, it depends on the winter. See, we ah, have had okay. when, during a mild winter, it's not a problem. It's actually a really good spot to store things like bulbs. But you get a winter like we've had where we're, outside temperatures are down, you know, 15 to 20 below zero, mm-hmm. you know, I'm at least three or four degrees below zero inside my garage, yeah. which is too cold. That's what kills these tender
3: bulbs. Well, it's tricky too thing. Bad, yeah, figure out some way of moderating that. Uh. Well,
4: the only way it's ever worked for me is uh, in that same unheated or, you know, unheated end and and mm-hmm. somewhat um, unpredictable garage is a very large, like a Rubbermaid tub full of either peat moss or, or, you know, sterile potting soil where I then jam my canna lilies or my calla lilies or my agapanthus, any tender bulb or rhizome. Yeah into that box full of that medium, oh, right. so that and that's that extra little, little insulation bit, yeah. so oh, that okay. you don't get the soup, the frost getting right in there and killing anything.
3: Well, you mentioned something uh, right at the top of this, that the site, the Toronto Master Gardener's site, is, mm-hmm. that, is, that, is, is just Toronto Master Gardener's? Okay, uh, so now you... you're
4: going to expect me to be able to just know that. Okay, uh, yeah, we'll have I to look that would. up. Uh, It's probably well. Master Gardeners of Ontario is M G O I, so Magoy. dot org. So if you go there, you can just click down to Toronto. But we'll look it up here so we can tell everybody. So uh, here I am in downtown Toronto, where there is virtually no. Yeah, give
3: me an update on your place, man. Charlie took some pictures of her backyard. Quite amazing. Well, I
4: didn't mean. even show. The, the pictures I took of the war zone on my, in my neighborhood yeah. are on my digital camera at home. So what I had on my phone was just the layers of ice because we ended up with a good, well.
3: be an inch. It looks like. Yeah, I was going to
4: say ice. at least an inch of ice yeah. on all the branches of all the trees and shrubs in my, my garden and, of course, my entire neighborhood. Then we got that two inches of snow on top of that. Yeah. Just starting last Sunday, obviously when all that rain was coming down and freezing, the branches just started to drop. Yeah, and there's just branches all over. Uh, You've got
3: like barricades of branches up yeah. all down the boulevard. Oh
4: god, yeah. it literally yeah. looks like you know some kind of tanks have gone through and just branches have dropped. And of course, you know the neighborhood being a pretty friendly place, there was every various people out there with yeah. their ice picks and with their chainsaws and clearing the road and making yeah. piles off to the side. So you know the roads are clear. But the piles and the hanging branches are quite dangerous. Now with this this thaw, it's just pinging and snapping and ice is dropping all over the place. And
3: more more, uh, hydro lines coming down because of it too. So these poor people who have Mm -hmm. had had no power, Mm -hmm. we were lucky and you were lucky, Mm -hmm. you had power through the whole mess. But, God, there are still people without power.
4: Because things yeah. are going to keep coming down with all this silly ice That's melting. Right. That's I mean, right. I I shouldn't say silly. I just wish it hadn't piled up so much. Now, the only reason, and, you know, touch wood and thank all the, you know, the gods and goddesses out there, that we were very lucky where we live. We had power the entire time. But all of our hydro is underground.
3: Oh, well, there you go, yeah. yeah.
4: So it didn't, with all these branches coming down, it didn't affect any, obviously, above-ground yep. hydro. But there, there, there's trees leaning up against streetlights, and there's branches hanging on the streetlights, yeah. but the lights are still on. And
3: the, Well, I was telling um, you off air that uh, last night uh, our, some of our very good friends took us to dinner, uh, Di and I, and they were telling us that uh, where they live, near near Casa Loma, actually, mm. um, a tree came down. I mean, it was a massive, tree. it's one of those trees you couldn't put your arms mm. around, and it came down on a house, that, oh. and the poor people had just finishing, finished uh, doing re-roofing, paddle. and, you know, oh. <laughs> of course. And this thing just, oh, man. So I don't know where it sits right now as far as whether the tree is still there, I think. They mentioned it was still there. Then. Yeah.
4: we well, you see, it's been very hard to do anything about these yeah. trees. Number one, all the arborists in the entire country are on hydro duty trying oh, to clear the wires. Yeah, yeah. So the last thing they're getting into is the parks and the residential areas to touch trees if they don't have to. Now, yeah. of course, a tree on top of a car or a tree on top yeah. of a wire, those are the ones that have been the priority. So you know those arborists are going to be very busy, and we will talk a bit more about when and how to get in touch with an arborist. But there's that uh, website you're okay. asking.
3: yeah, Toronto Master Gardeners, helping dot, gardeners, right.
4: Yeah, so it's, that's the website, torontomastergardeners, one word, dot .ca.
3: No apostrophe at the end yeah. it? So there's
4: information on becoming a Master Gardener, contacting uh, gardening guides. You can ask a Master Gardener a question, and your question will be answered. But, of course, you can also call us if you have a question.
3: Why, sure. And let me get those phone numbers. We have a couple of messages. We're going to get to you in just a moment. 416-360-0740. That's anyone in the Toronto area. But if you live outside the area, anywhere in the province, for that matter, one 866 740 And, of course, that is toll-free. Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show with Frank Proctor on a Saturday morning, along with James Patrick Dooley, too.
1: Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
3: Frank Proctor, the suit chef of the garden, along with Charlie Dobbin, as we uh, answer your questions or just give you information that comes flying by here. And uh, James uh, put up a little note here. Uh, did you feel a, a frost quake? I've never heard of this before, but Charlie, you have. Well, because I heard it and felt it where I live. And what the heck is a frost well, quake? Uh, yeah, other people did the
4: research. I just quickly googled it here for you, and there's a CBC report: a rare frost quake phenomenon. Bewildered or bewildered? Yeah, the GTA area residents, uh, and that was Christmas Eve. It was a really loud boom. It was like it was like a, uh, a, quake. a earthquake almost. Yeah. yeah. But And so, of course, it was like, oh, everybody kind of ran outside because they figured a tree had fallen on their house. But, of course, you know, when <laughs> 20 people all think that – or in my neighborhood, 20 people all thought a tree had fallen on their house. It was very late at night when it happened. So uh, what is that? It's an, it's an area encased in ice – uh, following a nasty mix of rain and snow, uh, many believed ice or a tree, well, we all thought it was or Santa's sleigh, had <laughs> taken on their rooftop. But, it, yeah, it's just a really rare phenomenon of ice and, and snow and temperature coming together. And I think it's got to do with something going on with the temperature being below zero, at below ground, and then this ice on top. And something strange wow. happens where it kind of erupts from the ground.
3: Yeah, never, a, I'd never Big heard that bang, really big bang. And you, you felt it. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah.
4: It was really loud. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy weather, right? But here, I've got a uh, press release. <clears throat> this is good information for anybody who is in the situation I am, where you've got trees that are damaged, mm-hmm. branches that are hanging, neighbor's branches hanging over into my garden. Just all kinds of things that need attention, but uh, tree-wise. Uh, but, of course, it's not really appropriate to go out there with chainsaws right now. It's just too slippery, too icy, too, still too, too crusty. Yep. So, uh, bottom line, here's some good tips and information. So, what has fallen to the ground is just part of the overall damage associated with storm-damaged trees. So, that's important to realize. A major storm, like we've just experienced, can do massive damage high in the treetops, posing extreme danger to people for weeks and months to come. You know, we're going to stop looking up. Once all those leaves start coming out, we're not going to see all those hanging bits up in there, right? So potential hazards and tree problems are not always obvious to the untrained eye. Uh, Ice-damaged tree branches can split or break in the treetops, and branches of all sizes can come crashing down at any time, especially during high winds. Uh, We are going to have a fairly windy day today, which is going to break a lot of that ice off. But again, it's going to probably knock some of those hanging branches off. Um, So all trees should be checked from the bottom up, preferably by a certified arborist to determine the full extent of the storm damage. So some tips. Do not go near any trees that are close to power lines kind of goes without saying. If you are concerned about a tree located near a power line, contact your local utility company to report the problem Mm -hmm. immediately. If you're concerned about a tree on municipal property, please contact your local municipality to report the problem, but please be prepared for longer than normal wait Mm -hmm. times. We're Mm -hmm. talking probably a couple of months. Leave dangerous work, such as pruning or removing trees, especially large ones, to the professionals who are trained in the art and science of caring for and maintaining trees. Certified arborists are tree care professionals who have achieved a level of knowledge and experience, allowing them to pass a comprehensive exam, and they are equipped to do the job safely. Mm -hmm. Locate a certified arborist in your area by checking the yellow pages or visiting the ISA website. ISA stands for International Society of Arboriculture. The website is www.treesaregood.org. That's a pretty easy one, yeah. treesaregood.org. Or you can also go to www.isaontario.com. Uh, you can also give a phone. Here's a phone number for those of you that might not want to go to the yellow pages or go to the web. one 463 2316 So one Two three one six, And that will take you to the International Society of Arboriculture, or Arborists, of Ontario.
3: Very good, yeah. A number to keep handy, particularly in times like like these. And
4: I do have a few more tips, if you would like me to tell you, after we speak to some of our colleagues. Well, I think
3: Anne from Wyoming, Ontario, is on the line. Let's say good morning and a belated Merry Christmas and a future Happy New Year to (laughs) you, Anne. Good morning.
2: morning. How are you? Good Good. morning, Anne. Welcome to the show. I have a question regarding um, a garden I have along a garage. Um, It faces east, southeast, Mm -hmm. and every year it seems like it starts out fine. I have a mixture of perennial and annuals in it. It's mostly Mm perennials. Every year it starts out great, and then, oh, I don't know, mid-summer or so, it starts getting um, black, and killing off, it doesn't seem to touch the annuals. It starts killing off my, I've lost some Shasta daisies. It gets into the sweet woodruff that I have planted there. I don't know if it's a fungus problem or what it could be. I guess what I'm wondering is it's probably something in the soil. Mm -hmm. I know my husband sprayed it for me with a copper... Uh, uh, bordeaux eight. spray yep. i think it was yep. he sprayed mm-hmm. which seemed to halt it mm-hmm. but i did notice at the end of the summer again the sweet patches of sweet woodruff mm. were dying again
0: and, and it, it hard is hard killing kill.
2: it because yeah. my shasta daisies never came up again mm. seemed to kill the whole plant mm. so i'm wondering should we just do the copper spray again in the spring or maybe a dormant spray. He sprays the dormant spray on his roses.
4: Right. Do you have any woody plants in that garden, any trees or shrubs of any kind or roses? Well,
2: I have, there's a couple of spireas. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about all the the woody. Mm -hmm. The rest are more, I've got some black-eyed Susans the sweet woodruff. Um yes,
4: yeah, I wouldn't use the dormant spray because okay. the dormant spray is really designed to be put onto dormant woody plants. Okay. If you okay. went in to spray that, of course the spirea it would be effective on those.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it didn't it doesn't touch, didn't touch the spirea. It seems to be touching yeah. more just the, the And yet drift. the weird thing is it it's not killing the annuals, which I was confused by that. So what kind of annuals do you put in there? Give oh, me an example. I've put um I've had begonias in there and, um, oh, just any little, I can't even think yeah, of the names of them, just colorful see. ones, you know, to petunias mm-hmm. to fill in, you know, so, put some color in. Yeah, so southeast. So how many
4: hours of direct sunlight do you think uh, that garden it probably gets? probably get
2: sun from, you know, morning when it comes up till mm-hmm. about 2 in the afternoon. Oh, so lots
4: of sun then. That would be considered a full sun location. As soon as yes. you're at six hours or more of direct sunlight, we're mm-hmm. talking full sun.
2: I was wondering if it's maybe a drainage problem. or Like, it do, doesn't seem to be a wet garden. Like, it's not like it's... Soggy
4: or anything. Do soggy you, or you,
2: anything like that.
4: Tell me about mulch. Have you ever put mulch on the surface I of the soil? I do a
2: little bit, not a lot. It is a bit of a... It's sandier, so I do try mm. to put, you know, um, peat moss and some a bit of compost in. Okay. But it's sort of hard to, you can't really dig it into the sweet woodruff because, no. you know. <laughs> it's in the way. Yeah, you can't really dig it in, so I usually just sort of sprinkle it
4: on top. Well, I mean, the fact that... Well, that's right, and you do that in the spring. See, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with Sweet Woodruff or Gallium odoratum is its proper name, this is a small evergreen ground cover that is very shallowly rooted, grows almost like a little mat across the surface of the soil, Mm -hmm. gets brilliant white flowers in late, mid to late spring, and that's where the odoratum comes in because they're fragrant, little white flowers flowers uh, that are also edible. And it's a very tough little plant, very hard to kill. Mm-hmm. The only time you will see it dying, and as you suggested, this blackening, it, it, that is a fungus when you'll see that black happening on that plant. Now, last year, it rains and it rains and it rains. So we mm-hmm. saw a lot of fungus <clears throat> that we don't normally see in gardens where we don't normally see fungus at all. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of that going on last year that we haven't seen recent, you know, in the recent last few years. So that would be, I would say, that probably is what was going on, uh, certainly, okay. if you're seeing the be blackening. Could it also,
2: like I have had impatience in that garden before, mm-hmm. and I know they have got that, but I've heard that it only really affects yeah. the
4: impatience. That's right. It's downy mildew, and it does only affect the impatience. Yeah, so, so it, yes, it can't be that. Yeah, so you won't be putting impatience in there ever again. No, T- no. Tell me what color is the wall of your garage.
2: White. Oh, okay. It's a white-sided Okay, so
4: white is good because of course white is reflecting light onto the garden that's mm-hmm. in front mm-hmm. of it, which means it would be hotter and drier. So it is super unusual in a full sun location with a white. Yeah, backdrop and
2: especially to you know struggling with fungus. Is a fairly tough plant. It, and even the shasta daisies. Shasta's are very tough, but you know, and it really it killed it completely. Yeah. And it didn't come up like it killed it two yeah. years ago and it didn't come up lot for this summer
4: yeah. but um interesting too that you've said it's a fairly sandy soil because that would be my impulses it is. yeah it's, it needs and, to and I be better if it, drained
2: well yeah, yeah i don't know um you can't Usually, go, fungus you think of in a more boggy, uh, exactly area, or
4: but, um, yeah, moist or shady or dark or yeah, poor wind. It, it, you know, not, no air circulation. Definitely not that. Okay, so a couple of things I would suggest: you cannot go wrong with compost, like with your homemade compost. Okay, it's a you know a living amendment that will help on many levels. If it's if there are some fungal issues in that soil, remember that adding compost adds life, like tiny little, you know, microscopic things, little animals that do all kinds of great uh, activities that will annihilate often fungal spores Mm -hmm. just because of the kind of environment they set up. But, of course, you will add compost, as you point out, early in the spring in a light layer. It might be half an inch. Okay. Every spring, mm-hmm. and you'll just sprinkle that across the surface, then, with your hands you'll kind of shake it down between the uh, the woodruff um, which is a great idea um, I would yeah I would if it isn't really fairly well drained soil, I would consider using some mulch uh, Later in the season, though, you know, late sp- spring, early summer, mm-hmm. in the areas where the s- the soil is exposed, right? Um, and go get another shasta daisy. Sometimes it dep- There are different varieties of shasta daisies. Some are much tougher than others. Um, right. Swan Princess, I think it's called. Swan Princess okay. is a mm-hmm. great one uh, that does very – it's super hardy. You can put it into all kinds of environments, and it just keeps on perking along. Right. Uh, that one's a great one. Of course, uh, super hardy would be daylilies in general. Uh, pop a few of those yes. in there. Mm-hmm. and um,
2: Yeah, the, and I do have some of those in there, and it never – it killed all the sweet woodruff in certain almost areas. around the daylily and didn't even – to Touch the daylily. That's right, because oh.
4: nothing kills daylily. Mm-hmm.
2: And keep the Bordeaux as your backup
4: plan if you need it. And, okay. and just hope it doesn't rain day after day after day. That... Would
2: it help if what it usually seems to do is start in a patch? And mm-hmm. I'll go over, if I haven't looked at it for a few days, I'll go over and there's this black patch. Would mm-hmm. it help if I dug that out?
4: Uh, with your gloves, remove the black anything black. Okay. Put that directly in the garbage, not the composter. Okay. And um, yeah, just because remember, once once there's a fungal disease <clears throat> on foliage, it ju- you it, it will spread. It yeah. And exactly. so y- mm-hmm. your whole idea is to try and control.
2: And it even got into. Um, I had plant uh, planted some grass seed in front mm-hmm. of that garden just to make it smaller, mm-hmm. little less wide, and it actually started it killing off my grass. Mm. Okay, so then the
4: other suggestion is a soil test. Okay. Then you say, okay, there might be something going on in that soil. Okay. How long have you lived in this house? Uh, we've been here about three years. Okay, so somebody could have dumped gasoline there or something oh, okay. you know what i mean like there could be something in that soil that mm-hmm. is causing problems or right. you know there could even be some dead tree roots underneath there that all okay. kinds of fungus is growing on so right. a soil test is a good idea as well if you continue to struggle with with having right. things thrive right. that should be thriving <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much, Charlie. Oh, you're very welcome.
3: Thank you, Ann. Have a a good day. You too. uh, Bye-bye. Right at this juncture in the show, we've got to take a little break here and come back to talk to uh, Patrick in Whitby, and he's got some uh, comments about fallen trees from the storm. Oh, well, anxious to hear that. Back in just a moment here with Charlie Dobbin and The Garden Show.
1: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
3: Along with Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, welcoming Patrick from Whitby to the line. Good morning, Patrick.
5: Good morning. Are you uh, hearing me well? Yes, Yes. we can. Thank you. Morning. Good, good. Uh, Listen, I won't take up too much time, but I live in about a 13-year-old neighborhood that has builder trees. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what kind they are. The leaf uh, on the tree looks like, um, if you're familiar with those biscuits that uh, carpenters use to join pieces of wood together, Mm -hmm. they're kind of uh, pointed on the ends and on two ends and oval in shape with a sawtooth edge around uh, the, the edge of the uh, leaf. Huh.
4: Okay. Now,
5: that kind of tree is what we've got uh, sprinkled around our neighborhood uh, on our private property. It's, uh, and the one that I've got is about, oh, maybe oh, 20 feet high, so to speak. Uh-huh. Unfortunately... It now looks like the thickest willow tree you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, because all the branches are lying on the ground, basically. They're all drooped. Over. Well, they're all drooped, uh, and uh, yes, they are touching the ground Mm -hmm. uh, as as we speak. Mm -hmm. And what I'm worried about is when the ice is gone, Mm -hmm. will the tree ever come back to its original shape again? Probably not. I had a suspicion because a uh, first-hand experience in a big ice storm mm-hmm. and seeing what uh, the forests looked like uh, years later. Mm-hmm. And I'm not encouraged. It's the length
4: of time, too. If if all that ice had fallen or had, you know, had arrived and then melted the next day, many of those trees would have popped back up. But here we are yeah. a full week later, yeah. and in my neighborhood, all the branches have been drooping lower and lower and lower
5: every day. <clears throat> As yes, the, with the I, added snow exactly. on the branches That's right. uh, that are now bigger than they used to be That's because right. of the ice. That's right.
4: Now, uh, similar to you, I have branches that are looking like a a tree that used to have upright branches now looks like a weeping willow because all those upright branches have now curved over and are now touching the ground. So, what will happen?
5: uh, My 10 foot diameter or 10 or 12 foot diameter tree is now on the order of about uh, Mm -hmm. 30 feet in Mm -hmm. diameter. Holy cow. Right. So well, but once
4: everything yeah. melts, it will pop up a bit, but it'll still it, it won't look like it used to look. And that's where we're going to be calling our certified arborists who are going to yeah. come in and they're going to trim everything back in. So you'll be back to it's still having that same 20 foot or 12 foot footprint that you referred to. But that's because a bunch of the ends of those branches are going to have to come off.
5: Okay, so you're giving me slight encouragement in the fact that I may not need to remove the tree in its entirety.
4: I absolutely agree with that. Do not plan to remove it in its entirety. So there's some I good feel news. Better. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, no. The last thing I want people to do is panic and think that all these trees need to come out. They do not need to come out at all. And as a matter of fact, it would be the biggest mistake we could do to take them all out. Uh, uh, I know. I was,
5: I was really afraid that uh, this tree is going to permanently look like that.
4: No. Um,
5: it- but uh, your encouragement and the fact that. Uh, some of it may come back once it's trimmed back. Absolutely.
4: Oh, yeah. It, um, it, you'll be amazed. It's going to look just fine. If it's trimmed back and cared for in five years, you'll never know there was an ice storm.
5: But that's just, true with all of, of our damaged trees. out of curiosity, though, what might we be looking at in a lunch bag calculation for cost on this? Hmm if it 's just one tree, I mean remember that for an
4: arborist to come and do one tree uh, could range from probably anywhere from two to three to f- maybe even five hundred dollars, just off the top of my head. However, if everybody on your street needs one tree or two trees cared for, suddenly the cost to everybody's going to go down because that arborist is going to come onto your street and spend the entire day there
5: yes, uh, I understand that part uh, it was uh, Because that's what I did for the um, the yard fences. Mm -hmm. I found a contractor who did uh, Mm -hmm. oh about thirteen of the houses Mm -hmm. in our neighborhood, all in one shot, and gave us a really good break when he did them all.
4: So they all Uh, match.
5: I'm I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yep. Yep.
3: Um,
5: And you can thank you very much. You've uh, pretty well uh, uh, answered my questions and.
3: Soothed (laughs) my Your troubled soul. Well, I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad. those fears, yeah. Yeah.
4: No, it's true. I mean, certainly there are broken branches. Some bent down so Mm -hmm. far that they broke. Some in my neighborhood have fallen to the ground, and others are hanging there. You know, they're still attached with a
5: little strip of bark. I'm rather fortunate in that nothing seems to be broken. Yeah. It's uh, just severely bent out of shape. Well, some trees are
4: more flexible than others. I mean, the birch yeah. trees in my neighborhood are flattened almost like pancakes. You know, these <laughs> yeah. multi-stemmed birches that used to stand up so stately. Uh, and you're right, you know, they might have been 12 feet wide. Now they're 50 feet wide because they're li- literally flat on the ground. Yeah. Will they stand the, um, up beautifully? The no, but with trimming. Is, uh, pretty close.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, Patrick, I'm glad that uh, Charlie made you feel a little bit better this morning. And uh,
5: Absolutely, absolutely. As a, as a by-the-by... Um on Saturday, mor- last Saturday morning, I was woken up to the fact that uh, I now have a Christmas present to the back of my car.
3: Oh, no.
5: Yeah, oh, and a $500 deductible because Uh-oh. it's a, a hit and run. Oh, oh, the worst. Lovely. So that, uh, I half expected to see a sticker, uh, a piece of paper under the windshield wiper that said, Merry Christmas, I <laughs> yeah. smacked your car. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And don't call me. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much, Patrick. Thank and you. Anyway,
5: you, have, you have a great day, and you've got a wonderful show, and thank, thank you very much for helping me out. Our
4: pleasure.
5: Happy New Year.
3: We do have to take just a little bit of a break here, and then coming back to talk to Judy in Georgetown, here on The Garden Show from AM 740. And uh, Frank Proctor, along with Charlie, wishing you in advance the best of the new year to come, which is not that far away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Judy in Georgetown, welcome to the show.
7: Thank you so much, Frank. How are you?
3: Good, thanks.
7: I'm a first-time caller, by the way, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Judy.
3: (laughs) Yeah, wait a minute. There you go. (laughs)
7: Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, We have a problem with a lilac bush that we have in our yard. Mm -hmm. And now with all of the ice Mm -hmm. that has hit it, it's just devastated. But it's about 10 to 15 feet wide. No, Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 feet high by about 20 to 25 feet wide. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's quite a quite a big bush, and we're not sure whether we should cut it down or trim it back, or what we can hmm. do with it. Okay, so probably
4: because of where you are too in Georgetown, many of the old farms in that neck of the woods, all started around the home with a single sprig of lilac. Mm. And and it's a wild type of lilac that very happily has thrived and sent suckers up from the root. So what started as a single stem became two, three, four, and before you know it, it's like a big hedge or a monster, as you point out, shrub, (laughs) you know, 20 (laughs) feet wide. uh, And that's how that happened. So should you annihilate it? No, I wouldn't. Can you shrink it down Absolutely, yes. Make Have oh. the footprint be smaller. Okay. Should you lower the height? I would, just because you can't reach or, or smell the blooms because they're way up at the top. Right. And that's the challenge with the, li- the wild type of lilac, is that it's so happy and it gets so big and it does such a takeover, we sometimes lose control of it. Uh, of so, so yes, it can be shrunk by severing uh, stems at ground level. Uh, okay. To do it really properly, you would then dig out the roots that are down at ground level to shrink the footprint, so to speak. To trim the tops, you would do that after the plants flower this okay. spring.
7: So I need to wait basically to spring to do this then? Yes,
4: I would. I would. I mean, anything that's broken, if you have broken branches. uh, Then of course. Those get out to once, you know, the weather is safer to be out trimming, then certainly you can go out and do, you know, because we don't want those jagged, ragged cuts and breakage. We want clean cuts where where all this damage has taken place.
7: Okay. Yes. Unfortunately, we have over sixty trees in our backyard, and I would say half of them, if not more, are damaged. Yeah,
4: I know. It's so, just...
7: anyways, but I just wanted to phone in and ask you about our lilac bush, Charlie. Thanks thank you so, so much. much for calling. Good and luck we, with it. We uh, love your show. We listen to it every Saturday, every chance we get. <laughs> hey, that's
3: great. <laughs> that's great. Good thank stuff. You. Thanks, Thank Judy. Thank you very
4: much. Okay. okay,
3: have a great day. And uh, let's see what we got. Oh, we've got time for one more call. Okay, just then, before we oh, yes, go, okay. I just
4: want to follow up on exactly what Judy was saying. She's got multi-trees, much right. damage. All right. Ultimately, she's going to need to bring a professional in. So remember, I, I told you how to locate a certified arborist, which is www.treesaregood.org or isaontario.com. Remember, any tree care company that's coming onto your property, You need to do a couple things. You want to ask them for proof of insurance before you hire them to to do any Mm -hmm. kind of work on your property. A reputable company will have personal and property damage insurance as well as workers' compensation coverage. Very important. important. You do not want somebody with a chainsaw who knocks on your door, climbing a tree, falling out of the tree, and suddenly you're... Liability, public liability insurance is covering this person's future. So be wary of individuals who go door to door and offer bargains for doing tree work. Most reputable companies are far too busy to solicit work this way. Shoddy workmanship can do even more damage to your trees. Say no thanks to anyone claiming to be a tree professional who offers to top your tree. Then look for someone else. Topping trees does more harm than good, increasing the tree's recovery time and making the tree more
3: dangerous. Well, there you go—some darn good sage advice. I would exactly. say
4: exactly. So, phone number one eight 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 four six three two three one six to speak with the International Society of Arborists. Sorry. And if you and want to
3: check that out, uh, listen to the podcast in a few days' time, which will be online here at AM seven forty. Now, Sandra and Milton, come on and say hi and Merry Christmas belatedly. To you. <laughs> good
4: morning, Sandra.
7: Good morning and Happy New Year. Thank on you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Frank and I talked yesterday. Oh. Um anyway, what my question You've got is got other women that? in your life? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't can, tell, don't go tell. Go ahead, Sandra. <laughs> uh, it's a fairly simple question. Mm-hmm. I received for a Christmas gift mm-hmm. a floral arrangement Um, garden center grown, Mm -hmm. but it had no instructions. Mm -hmm. It has three separate, Mm -hmm. or not three separate, but three different Mm -hmm. plants. A poinsettia, Mm -hmm. a frost fern, and a cyclamen, all in the same tray. Mm Pretty. It's beautiful, but what I'm wondering is how to maintain those three different ones (sighs) with the same watering and fertilizing. Uh, (laughs) Tough.
4: Because the poinsettia wants to be kept consistently moist but not wet. The frosty fern wants to be kept consistently quite moist, almost wet. And the cyclamen wants to be kept consistently not wet, preferably on the dry side. Oh, dear. (laughs) So that's your challenge. So really, if you really want to keep that alive, you you should separate them. Get three pots, take it apart, and pot them up separately, and give them each their individual requirements.
7: Mm. And the cyclamen can be planted outside in the spring?
4: Uh, it can, but it's unlikely to do much. You're better. You'll have good luck putting your poinsettia outside in the spring. I've that, I find. Yeah. Uh, c- yeah, cyclamen are a little tough to plant outside because remember they do tend to have a dormant period. So we because they are a corm, so we tend to allow them to just go into a bit of a dormant period and then they start to grow again in the fall. They love the cool. They hate the heat. Oh, I see. Okay. So, All right. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you for, for your th- call.
3: And thank you for the call yesterday, by the way. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I you too. To, well, so like go way No, back. Sandra had <laughs> caught me twice referring to uh, next Wednesday as New Year's Eve <laughs> uh, when, in fact, it is Tuesday, and she kindly called me. and. Slapped you around. I mean, yeah. 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 Oh, it's
7: always a pleasure.
3: (laughs) You to slap me around. I I know. the feeling, yeah. (laughs) I'm a masochist. I love being beaten up.
4: Okay. Thanks, Um, Sandra. Happy New Year. (laughs) Thank you.
3: Okay. (laughs) They call any time, for heaven's sakes. Uh, Now, Patrick, uh, James Patrick Dooley in the next room there. We're waving uh, bye-bye to him for today. Uh, And for the year. For a bit. But I'm coming back. You well, know, I, okay, one o'clock. well,
4: I'm saying goodbye to James for 2013. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We will see- We won't see you. Ag- I won't see you again till January.
3: I'll see you next year. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, bud. <laughs> see you next year. Okay then. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> You know, Red Skelton a little bit there the uh, Gertrude and Heathcliff you know the bird yeah away there, yeah just flew over a bank and made a deposit <laughs> yeah okay okay all right you can see what kind Ray, of a day is shaping Ray, up here yep,
4: I was going to say it's you know you'd think we really had nothing to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, we Charlie. could talk a lot about what's going on at Toronto Botanical Gardens but we won't because there's all kinds of great things are coming up in February we'll wait till January for that already thank you as usual. Thank you, James. Thanks to our great callers. Everybody have a great New Year's. Happy birthday to my brother today. Oh, happy birthday. All right, there you go. See you next year.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65. Which means... There's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing. And she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow.
1: So, can we cut the cake
0: now? You betcha.
2: No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health Conditions apply. See Specsavers.ca.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio.